It's Divas That Care Radio. Stories, strategies, and ideas to inspire positive change. Welcome to Divas That Care, a network of women committed to making our world a better place for everyone. This is a global movement for women, by women, engaged in a collaborative effort to create a better world for future generations. To find out more about the movement, visit divasthatcare.com after the show. Right now, though, stay tuned for another jolt of inspiration. One just has to pick up a magazine or turn on a television to see that we as women are bombarded daily with media images of female physical perfection, leaving us with the most unrealistic of expectations as to how we should look. No wonder female body confidence is falling while incidents of eating disorders are on the rise. What's most alarming is the way this affects young girls. A reduced sense of self-worth can create anxiety, stress, even depression, causing relationship issues while potentially impairing academic and job performance. In direct contrast, Confidence in Bloom is designed to send the opposite message to any woman of any age, shape, or background who has ever felt inadequate, unworthy, or tossed aside because of how she looks. You matter. You are enough now. I, Tina Spolatini, a woman of substance, insist women deserve to be happy, confident, successful, not to mention so totally in love with themselves in their own bodies just the way they are. Through an ongoing series of intriguing conversations with women from all walks of life who are all extraordinary in their own right, I will take us on a journey of ultimate self-acceptance and empowerment. Together we'll share the stories, laugh, learn, maybe even shed a few tears when you realize how far many women have come to realize just how wonderful life is when you stand in your own power, feeling fantastic in your own skin. Today I'm speaking with Pearl Greger. Pearl, Pearl Greger has been working with Dreams since 1988, some 35 years. She's worked as a secondary school teacher, administrator, provincial consultant, and university lecturer. She has facilitated many dream workshops, both from her home and for various organizations, book clubs, conferences, and churches. She has published three books of personal memoir, Dreams Along the Way, choosing to work with a selection of her journal writings and around over 300 dreams. Her work focuses on personal stories using the theories and writings of Swiss analytical psychologist C.J. Jung. She lives on her farm with her buddy, her dog buddy, her cattle were sold in the fall of 2022 due to her declining health. The farm went very quiet. Professionally, she's done many jobs over the years, beginning as a legal secretary in 1964, went to university in 1966 to 1968, again in 1974. She did her master's in 1984 and doctorate in 2008 and 2005. Earl, welcome. Good, good morning, Tina. How are you today? I'm really well, thank you. How are you? I'm per- perfect this morning. Everything is going my direction. Excellent. Oh, I love to hear those stories. I love that. You did a lot of schooling in your lifetime. Yes, I've been in school for many, many years of my life. My, my One of my grandsons was going into grade one when I started my doctorate, and he asked me, Grandma, I'm not going to school as long as you did. How many years... When did you graduate? I said, I graduated when I was 18. Well, how many years since then? I said, well, 13. Oh, my God. He said, I'm not going to school that long. <laughs> I 
I shouldn't have discouraged him by giving him those big numbers. <laughs> but he certainly well, has not followed in up. He's not followed in no, my footsteps hey. going to school every year. <laughs> wow, wow. Well, he, you know, you went to school twice for him, right? I did so. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, tell us more. Tell me more about your dreams along the way. Exactly what what kind of stories are we talking about? Well, you're talking about my personal stories. What happened to me when I was a child, I finally figured that out in 1988. I had been depressed for many, many years. In fact, it was a grade 9 class that actually brought me to my senses. That One morning I was teaching them, and at the end of the class, a group of them came up and said, can we talk to you? Sure, I said, what do you need? Oh, they said, it's not us, it's you. You usually make sense, Mrs. Gregor. Today you didn't make any sense at all. We think you're sick and you should go home. I went home where I belonged. I was hearing voices in those days. So I was I was under psychiatric care the whole nine yards. It was not a very happy time. But eventually I, I started meditation. A girlfriend suggested I've done everything else, she said, so why don't you try meditation? So I went to meditation. I began that in April of 1988. By August of 1988, I ended up in hospital because of releasing so much toxicity from every orifice, if you get my meaning. I was in the hospital for two weeks that time. And that was when I went to New York a few years later and discussed it with a, a dream intensive dream worker there. She said, Pearl, that's called holy shit. And I, I gathered that that's what had happened to me. I'd released so much toxicity that I was uh, my body had left. I had left my body during that time, and I just released all the all the stuff that had happened to me over a lifetime. So that that was when I I didn't learn then yet what was really causing my trouble. I didn't learn until till the January of 1989, or maybe February. I don't just recall the exact dates. But I think it was February 7th, 1999. I went to meditation with, with two friends. And that evening, my inner voice told me what my problem had been my whole life. I had been molested as a preverbal child. And that causes no end of trouble in the psychic development of a child. So I was afraid of many things. I was very lucky. I had an amazingly supportive family. And they helped me through those years when I was from the age of 16 till I was in my 20s. And I kind of, I finally got it together to enough to go to school and do all those kinds of normal things that everybody does. But then it came back quite with a vengeance when I was in my 30s. So I don't know what made it come back. I guess I went into something called perimenopause. And you know that in midlife, many women change their entire identities. Well, that's what happened to me. In, in December that same year, my, my family member sent me a box of books. In that box of books was one that was called A Christian Approach to Dream Work. And it said I could ask for a dream. And so I did. I prayed. I wrote my journal every night. And I, and I meditated. And I began, I got my first dream. That first dream is, is outlined in book one called I, the Woman Planted the Tree. That comes from the goddess Inanna. And I named it that specifically because I was—I did the descent that Anana did, the same kind of thing. You change your identity. You go through seven gates, and the dreams p- portrayed those seven gates over the next seven years. It was a long, long process. But I came out of the other end a totally different person. I changed many, many of the identifiers that I was so used to being. They tell me that your persona you develops as a child. That's Carl Jung. 
So you develop a persona and you know how to behave in the world and what, what, what people like about you and what they don't like. And you don't do the things that people tell you. Don't do that as parents will do when you're young. And they, they, can, they develop your persona. And that's the, that's the things that you know people like and the pe- things that they don't like you put away. And according to research, we spend the first 20 years of our life putting with stuff away that we don't think we need anymore. And the next 50 or 60 or 70 years digging it all out again to become our authentic real self. So that's my long story in a quick, very quick capsulated wow, yeah. And is it, yeah, and it, I mean, that's that's a kind of a long story what you gave us just now. And I mean, at that you don't learn that, you don't learn that um, just by like reading one book. You you no. have to live more life to learn that, don't you? I have. I lived that out. I I followed my dreams. I learned about how to interpret dreams from reading I don't know how many books. I, one of my friends phoned me as soon as the first book was published and said, how in hell did you write, read all those books in those years? Because I was working full-time throughout that process. I said, I don't remember. I just know I read them. I made notes on them. And I was able to incorporate that into my dream world. So that's what my stories wow. are all about. And that those three books tell the stories over those seven years. Oh, that's amazing. And you do circles and you do, um, like, I, I don't know if you coach. You, you can uh, verify that for me. But do you work with other women? Uh, and I, got, with their I coach dreams, other women. Right? Yes, I do. I work with a circle yeah. of women. And one man has got, been brave enough to stay with us for the last three years. I've been working with this same circle. A few new people join every time. I don't want a bigger circle than eight. Right now I have five. Often I have two circles going at once, but this time I only have one. I love to get new clients. I get a lot of new clients from podcasts because when they listen to my story, many people are having issues. You don't have to have issues to become to follow your dreams because those dreams will tell you what's going on in your personal life, where you need to be going, what you need to be learning. It doesn't tell you in, 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 in it doesn't tell you outright. It tells you these stories in symbols. So you have to learn what symbols mean and what they, where where they come from. You have to find out what those symbols could mean to you. That's what I coach people to understand, the symbols in their dreams. I do not interpret their dreams for them. That would be just completely egotistical to tell them, well, this is what your dream means. I do not know. I'm very clear on that. I can ask them questions that help them to understand it. And when, when we do dream circles, everybody gets an opportunity to speak their dream into the circle. It's the responsibility of everyone else to listen carefully and then to answer, then to, to make a comment that says, if this were my dream, it might mean, and that way you get a lot of input into people's understanding of the symbols in your dream. You might, just, you might get a, con, a, a clue to what your dream means. It might take you months to understand that dream. It took me years to understand my first dream. I did not know that oh. I, 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 I was walking. I walked into an elevator, and that elevator fell. And it fell, and it fell, and it fell, until finally it landed in chicken feathers or lamb's wool. Well, I know my symbols oh my when it goodness. comes to... It, there was a, a huge event in my life. It told me that I would go into this, whatever I was going to do, and I would come out safely landing in lamb's wool or chicken feathers. 
And that's what happened over the next seven years. And you also learn that seven is a sacred number and that if many many women follow a seven-year cycle in their lives. If you follow your life and you go, what happened when you were seven? What happened when you were 14? They will find big events that happened to them when they were seven and 14 and 21, 28. There might be a, a year's leeway on those events, like it might be six and a half years or seven and a half years. It might even be eight years or, or six years, but it will be close to seven every time. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've heard that there's like a, it's like a life cycle um, of seven years. I don't really understand what it means. But well, so if you, you, if you read a book called Passages by Gail Sheehy, Gail Sheehy was, she was in a, in a really a state in her life and she went on a trip on a ship and she listened to all the people and many people were in changing their lives. They were 35 or 49 years old. I can often tell when a dream person comes to me to chat about dreams, they'll often be 38 or 28. They'll often be at a seven-year crisis in their life or something they want to do that's new, but they're a little bit afraid of it. And they're having strange dreams, and they don't know what they mean. So they come and they ask, what does this mean? They say, well, we can figure that out between us, but I cannot tell you what it means. You will have to do that for yourself, and I can teach you how to do that. Right, and so when you teach them, like you, obviously you need to know something about their dream, because every, like their dream has their signs. Right. How, how do you teach them that? Like, what do you, like, where do you have, like, a resource or a reference book that you go to that would help them learn what it is? Or do, is it something that's happened in their life and that's what it means? Well, I teach them what symbols are. What, what, I mean, if I say to you, what does a red rose represent for you? You're, you're liable to tell me if I get roses for Valentine's, it means whoever sent them loves me. What made that rose have the symbolic meaning of love? Where did we get that from? Oh, it's just, I see. You see, it's, it's what it actually, it's not a red rose, it's a symbol of love. And that's how your dreams will right. come. And we learn that kitchens are a symbol of transformation. And cooking, cooking dinner for other people is a way to nourish them. And it's not about what you make for dinner, it's about the love that goes into creating that dinner for people. And so everything has a, a symbolic meaning to it. And the, the dream will come, it will have horses in the dream or it will have squirrels under the floor or something that, that you will pick up on and you'll wonder, what could that possibly mean? Then we do a word association where we, we ask people, well, what does that mean for you? What does it mean to you? What does it mean to you? We go around the circle and everybody says, well, it could mean this. And that's how you get input into what your dream could mean in the circle. And right. That's how you, oh, you know, I so, see. So you've... Go ahead. You, you kind of dissect the dream like all like all together. Right. Exactly. Why well, we've learned to be very attentive listeners and listen to watch the body language and ask them, how did you feel when you woke up from that dream? Feelings are very important in a dream. If you were scared or frightened or, or happy when you woke up, it depends on that's going to tell you a little bit about what that dream means to you. Right. We, I always ask That's them, "How did you feel when you when you woke up?" Yeah. So sometimes them. you have like a good dream, and it's kind of scary at the same time, and you wake up. Like I've had those dreams where it's kind of a good dream. Right. But I wake up 
feeling a little scared, like, or a little bit, like, anxious or something. So that must mean then that it wasn't, you know, the message that I was getting then was not as positive as the actual dream was. It's more about how I was feeling. It's more about how you're feeling, but it could mean that you're afraid of something new that's going to happen or whatever it could mean. I don't know because I don't know your background right now. But I can tell mm. if you if you have an anxiety dream, you will know because you will wake up in an absolute panic. I woke up for years from um. just terrible nightmares. And when I finally learned what dreams mean and how nightmares are very helpful for us, I began to understand what that nightmare was trying to tell me. Every dream comes for its specific purpose, and it tries to tell us something. We may not get the message, so it repeats itself until we do get the message. I had that nightmare dream well into my 30s, same nightmare dream from the age of nine. It took me many years. It took till I was closer to 50, I suppose, because I started the dream work when I was 43. So by the time I was 50, that was seven years. So by then I knew what that nightmare had been all about. The nightmare was trying to tell me that I had a deep scar within me. I was being chased over and over by a man with a scarred face. That scar was was me. It was my inner world. Your face is who you really are. You can tell by someone's face if they're mad or if they're having a good day. You can usually tell from their face. So the face in the dream, that, that, that man chasing me with a scarred face, was my own inner scar. And I, I did not know that until many years into my dream work. And then the nightmare wow. stopped. It quit. Wow. I remember but did I had... you find I, when you were doing... Go ahead. You, you go ahead. Oh, I had a young man came... To, his mother phoned me one time. We're speaking of nightmares, and she said her son was having terrible nightmares, and could she bring him to see me? So we made an appointment for a week later. I said, in the meantime, ask your son, can he, does he draw? Oh, yes, he loves to draw. Well, then ask him to draw his dream, because it's not going to look like you think it, what you think it means. It's going to look like a bunch of symbols. And then just ask him to turn that paper one direction, and then ask him, what do you see there? and then to turn it again and ask him, what do you see there? And then look for all the possible symbols that he sees in his own picture of that dream. Get him to tell you a story about that dream. By the time that week was over, she phoned and said, he tells me he doesn't need to see you. The nightmares will go away now. I never heard from her again, so I assumed the nightmare went away. Children often have nightmares, and parents make a big deal of it if they can get the child to draw the nightmare. That takes its power away, and it can no longer frighten them because they get used to what it is and they can perhaps understand what it means. Maybe they don't understand what it means yet, but they will eventually come to understand what it means. A nightmare is a a message from ourselves to ourselves. And and so, okay, so your dream, you had like a recurring dream with the same scarred face man. Yes. Why was your body trying to tell you that you had to tell a me scar? That, I, that I had an inner an inner scar on my being, on my visage, on my face, and it, it was telling me that I was afraid to take the descent because I was always afraid of falling. 
when I was, my husband and I took our children, we went on a holiday one time, and we were, every place we walked, I was afraid to walk close to the edge of anything. It nearly drove me nuts. It drove my husband even crazier because we have two sons. At that point, we had two sons and a daughter. And the boys were seven and nine and when when Rachel was born, so you know they were a lot older than her. But they were running and everything on these mountain passes and mountain trails. And I was scared stiff that somebody was going to fall. That was my own inner fear because I was afraid of the descent I would have to make sometime in my life. And I would have to make the descent that Anana made. And I eventually, I even had the same dreams that, that talked about in her descent. I, I couldn't believe it when I read I read that book later called um, The Descent to the Goddess, Initiation of Women, Descent to the Goddess. And it was a descent by Sylvia Pereira wrote and dissected the Anana myth from a psychological perspective. Anybody can read about Anana. It's not hard to find information about her these days. But it was a very new thing to me, brand new. I'd never had anything to do with goddess-based religion. I was raised Roman Catholic and very close to Blessed Mother, so that the Blessed Mother became the original goddess in my world. And she remains that today. But that's what she symbolizes, is that original mother the mother who created everything. We know that the masculine doesn't create much. It follows along with the feminine. The feminine does the right. creation, and my story was a feminine story, deeply feminine story. Wow. So I'm I'm just curious, why, like, I mean, obviously you had some major trauma by being, you know, sexually abused as, as a young child, and your body... Like, your mind made you forget it, right? Our mind is capable of sort of putting that behind us. But why was your body, like, why did you learn why your body wanted to keep that memory? Or was it trying to heal from that memory? It was time to heal the memory. That's That's why the depression was a message to me to go in and do some healing. But that's not what the world tells you. It tells you, snap out of it. Or if you eat this, or if you take this, or if you do that, you'll get rid of it. Nothing got rid of it, absolutely nothing, until I began dream work. I believe dream work is the key to a whole lot of of inner problems that many people have. And I think that the more I can teach dream work, the happier I am, because people find it really, really useful in their lives. Because dreams will come to us no matter what, right? They do, and so they I've always come. Women, yeah, and they're all. So, do you claim then that they all have messages, or do you think that there's just the repeating or the really strong dreams are messages? I think there's something called an archetypal dream that has a message in it for sure. There's the dream you never forget. I never have forgotten that dream I had in, in August or December of 1988, the Anana dream. I did not know what it meant then. I'd never heard of Anana, but that's called an archetypal dream. It's a very important dream, and you do not forget them. You awaken in the morning. I woke that next morning feeling like a million dollars, feeling better than I had felt in my whole life. I didn't know then that that was a mark of a, of a very deep and archetypal dream. Young always spoke of archetypes, and he had seven main archetypes. I don't want to go into that in depth right now, but those main archetypes are very important to us, and I, I can teach those in a dream circle. 
Like if somebody comes with a dream that has one of those archetypes in it, I can talk about it then. I don't teach just to teach. I teach only what people need. And if they have a right. dream with archetypal meaning in it, then I can bring that out to their attention. Right. It's an opportunity and, and to so, teach it to the whole group. Of course. Yes, of course. And the thing is, sometimes we don't even know, like, what the dream is, right? Exactly. But, and then you hear someone else, and then you go, oh, my goodness, I have I have kind of one that's similar to that. So exactly. So you think, then, that, like, nightmares are um, always, a, a like, a negative story that your body is going through or is it more of like an awareness making your body aware of you need to learn something well your body holds the memories we always say children forget they do not forget they simply repress what's too much for their little minds to handle i was a pre-verbal i was pre-two years old when this happened to me i had no words to tell anybody what happened i had no way to tell anybody what happened i didn't have language until i heard my inner voice talk to me at the age of 43. And that that language your body remembers. Gabor Mate has a book called your body, The Body Knows. And I read that book, and, and I, when I was writing my first or second book, I don't just remember, but I read that book and I listened to some movies or some documentaries by Gabor Mate. He's an amazing uh, trauma specialist. He's all over the Internet right now. If you want to look him up, you can find his his talks on YouTube or anywhere else. He doesn't talk about dreams. He talks about the role of the body in repressed memory and, and healing trauma. And the body remembers. That's why depression, that's why we have so much trouble getting to the root of depression. The body knows, but the mind has no words to give it. So when I was in touch with my inner world, my inner voice, which I think most listeners are aware of if they've listened to your program often. They've probably heard people talk about their inner voice. That's the voice that talks to you from time to time if you're really lucky and you've learned to listen. And my inner voice told me what had happened to me. It told me in symbols. It didn't tell me in in a story form. It told me in the form of symbols. I had to understand those symbols and I knew what was happening I was I was so astonished because in that very moment that I learned what had happened to me, I was able. My inner voice said, "You will, you will, you've been given the gift of forgiveness and compassion." I came out of that thinking that there was nothing had nothing that could happen to me that could ever harm me again, and I believe that to this day, I, my life is only good, and everything that happens to us is for a reason. I don't want people to know about soul contracts, but if you read about soul contracts, you'll also hear that we get together with a group of souls before we're ever born. And we have we, we make plans and we decide what, what each one's going to do when they get to the earth. We get here and forget what we said we were going to do. And I wrote a story called The Little Soul about that when I first heard that story. And it came to me in a flash one day, what everybody calls a download. And the universe suddenly opens up and talks to you. And suddenly you get this story and it just pours out of you. And that's what happened with the the story of the little soul. And I was given to understand that I had made a contract with this man and that I would agree to be molested if he would agree to do the, that he would have to live with this his whole life until it came to my forgiveness. And I was able in that very moment, it was easy to forgive. I don't know why. I just know that's a miracle. 
because there's no use hanging on to it. It's healed now. So I, I never I never worried about that man again. I met him one time, and I asked him if he remembered who I was. He said, no, I don't know. I know you're one of those cramps girls. I had three or four other cousins that lived down the road from me. We were all cramps kids. So we were known as the cramps girls because there was four of us all teenagers at the same time. And so he remembered the cramps girls. He didn't remember who I was. So that tells you that he had repressed that memory himself of what he had done. Wow. I'm like, I'm, I'm kind of amazed, to be honest. I'm, it just, it blows my mind how, you know, like you said, we are able to repress the bad stuff, but our bodies will not give that up. Like our bodies will hold on to it until right. we can do the forgiveness, do the healing, do the the whole nine yards, even for something that's happened so long, long, long ago where you just, you really have to do this heavy. I mean, it sounds like you had to do some really hard, deep, heavy work to I remember did. this. I did. And yet your body was telling you all along that I, I just it, it just floors my mind. Like, it, I'm floored. Exactly. I'm totally it's a, it, floored. To me, it's a yeah. total miracle that this happened, that I was able to remember what happened and all of the other things that have happened to me in the in the intervening 35 years. Because of the seven years was the beginning of the of the whole healing process, I say I'm still in the in healing mode, to some degree. I've healed ninety percent of it, but I still have some aftermath. I have arrhythmomyalgia in my feet, which they tell me is the the result of residual trauma, or the vestiges, the small remains of the trauma that happened to me when I was two years old. I don't know if that's true or not. There's no way you know except in your own inner world, if it's true or not true. I don't know if anybody believes my story, and I don't really care. I've developed into that. I'm an old woman now. It doesn't matter to me what other people think. I know what happened, and I know what happened. And so I can talk about it. And you know how, exactly, and you know how your body feels. Like you know if it feels better from before you did all this work. Then exactly. after. Now, if it makes a difference, I mean, we could tell ourselves stories about anything that could have happened because, I mean, let's face it, we could make up anything in our head, right? Exactly. That, yeah, when I was two years old, this happened. Sure, we could say that, right? But if our body doesn't feel that pain and hold on to that memory, there's no way for us to prove it to ourselves, no, let alone no way. the world. That's why writing the books was a, a quite an, an event for me because everybody kept saying, are you sure you want to tell the world your story? I said, yes. I, I was told by an inner voice when I was driving down the road on March 7th or March 10th, I don't remember exactly, it's in my book, 1993, when a voice spoke to me from the back seat of my car. Now, it wasn't really coming from back there. It was coming from myself. But the voice said, write dreams along the way. I ignored it and kept on driving. The voice repeated itself, and then it repeated itself. I finally stopped the car, got out, walked around three times, and got back in and started on my way. I was headed to do a workshop in Wainwright, Alberta, which is about 200 miles from my home. And that voice, once again, this time kind of angry with me, I said, write dreams along the way. I I, I looked at myself in the mirror and said, okay, I will write dreams along the way. That's when I started to do my workshops in public. 
and I would tell my story if people asked about it, but I would just do the dream work in workshops. And I would do it every week for eight weeks or whatever people wanted. And that way you can develop. You don't just want one workshop. You need several so you can actually develop some expertise at what you're doing. The first thing I teach people is how to write their dream down because you always write in present tense. You tell only the dream. You don't add your interpretations until much later. And then you, when you've got it written out, you can go back and, and you can circle all the nouns, for example, is one strategy. Then pick out the nouns and then ask yourself, what do these nouns symbolize? And then when you, you begin to work from the symbolic perspective, you learn to speak in symbolic terms all the time. You learn that everything is symbolic around you. I mean, what does a tree symbolize? Well, it symbolizes growth and life and many deep-rootedness. And the trees all talk to one another, which we eventually learn. We become, I became very, I was always a very unearthed person. I, I live on my farm. I'm 78 years old. I still do my farm. I do whatever I can do in my yard. And I believe that everything is, is created for a purpose and for a reason. And it's all here for beauty. And you, you watch everything grow. And it's like watching a person grow. And the tree is another, in my world, an individual person. I mean, I could go on forever about the symbolic meaning of houses or the inner meaning of a bear that shows up in your world or whatever it is that shows up in your dreams because dreams come to tell you your inner story. They don't come to tell you things you already know either. They tell you to come to they tell you things you do not know. That's why they come otherwise why would they have to bother? It's what you know you don't well, know you're so, asking so for the inner answer. Say that again. I said, this is just so interesting. So I I have a question about um, when we dream about people that, um, like, our loved ones that have passed on, and they come to us in our dreams. Now, I've heard many different interpretations of what that could mean. What what do you tell your, your clients and your circle people? I tell them that it could mean a number of things. It could mean that your ancestors on the other side are waiting for you to communicate with them. And I really believe you can communicate with them if you work on it a little bit. You can't just decide one day you're going to communicate with the ancestors. I think it's a job you have to do like learning dream work. There's a lady by the name of Perdita Finn, and she has a a group on, on Facebook, or I do believe it's on Facebook, called The Way of the Rose. She has a book out called The Way of the Rose, and she teaches about the ancestors as well. And those ancestors in your dreams can be coming to tell you, come and talk to me. It depends what message they're bringing you. They might be telling you about your grandmother's life or your great-grandmother's life. I know I have a story about my grandmother that I, I often tell because in, I don't remember the year anymore, 2003 or something like that. No, it was before my husband died, so it was in the 1990s. I had taken my bicycle and went with two friends down the road about 15 miles where we were visiting an antique shop. And while we were there, I saw this antique chair that I was so became so attached to instantly. And I asked the lady how much. She said it was $675. I thought, wow, that's too much. I don't have that amount of money. So I phoned my husband because it wouldn't go out of my mind. I said, what do you think? Well, he said, you know you want it, so buy it which was his standard answer to anything I thought I had to have. So I had to be very careful what I asked him about. 
Because anyway, so I, I bought it. And I phoned my brother and said, can you take that chair home, come for supper and bring my chair home because I don't have a way to bring it home. So they came. And I, that kitchen sat in my, that chair sat in my kitchen. I cleaned it up. I got a new cushion for it. That, later that fall, my mom came. She came in the house. She lives about, she lived about 250 miles away. She's dead now. Anyway, she came in the house and she said, where did you get grandma's chair? And it dawned on me, that chair, my grandmother had died in a chair that looked exactly like that with me on her lap. I was 11 months old, and yet that chair was so important to me. Oh, my God, I love that story. I have a shaman friend. I know that's so true. When we have a deep attachment to something, it's got a reminder in it for us. Because then mom told me oh the story goodness. of how my grandmother died, and it was a very powerful story. And I've always been very attached to my grandmother, even though she passed when I was 11 months old. Wow. Wow. Do you still have that chair today? I have that chair. still sits in my kitchen today. Oh, I love that. That's so awesome. I have my grandma's rocking chair, too. When, when my grandpa passed away, I said, that's the only thing I want. Exactly. You know, I've recovered it and everything, but it's, yeah, like it. I just remember that chair because of her. But I remember, I she was, I was older when she passed away, but, you know, it was, that's her chair and I wanted to have right, that exactly. left of her. Yeah. Oh, this that is so cool. I think that is just amazing. Just amazing. It, it amazes um, me every time I so think I have, about it. Yeah. Yeah, that's so awesome. I just have one more question that I want to really ask you. When when someone says to you, well, I really, I don't dream, or I don't remember my dreams, I mean, obviously, that's not true. I mean, we I've heard many, from many, many different people that we all dream. We just don't all remember them, or they don't all come um, consciously, we don't remember them. Is that right? Sometimes we we remember them, but we have already told ourselves we don't want to dream. We don't remember doing that, but somewhere we got frightened in a dream, and so we decided unknowingly and unwittingly that we didn't want to dream. So we're repressing our dream world. We're not letting it come through. For example, if you're Ah. having nothing but nightmares, you're not going to want to go to sleep at night. I used to cover my head every night when I went to bed. Mother would come in and take the covers away and say, you have to be able to breathe, Pearl. So she would, and then she would open my window and and get, kiss me goodnight and leave, and I would put the covers back over my head because I thought I could keep the dreams, the nightmares away, but of course you couldn't. They just kept on coming, not every day, not every night, but often enough to make me remember those blessed nightmares. So I know that that dreams, everybody dreams, and you, you've heard that right. There's been tons of research on that. Everyone dreams, not everyone remembers, but they can teach themselves to remember. That first book I read said, ask yourself or tell yourself when you go to bed 10 times, I will remember a dream tonight. So you just repeat that in your head like a mantra. I will remember a dream tonight. And before you get up in the morning, make sure you turn over carefully in bed and slowly. Don't try to do this on a Saturday morning when you don't have to get up. And you can you can lie there and try to remember what your dream was. If you do that often enough and many times as it takes, you will eventually remember a dream. Right. Now, I have another silly question for you. 
Um, is it true then that if you touch your hair before you remember your dream that you will not ever remember it? Because I've heard that since I was a little girl. I could never heard that in my life, and I could not believe okay, that. So that because... Yeah, that's just another, like, um, old wives' tale. Because I, I used to be like, that's crazy. <laughs> that makes sounds no ridiculous. Sense. It is totally right, ridiculous. Exactly. Yeah, I, Somebody... but I remember hearing... Somebody made that up for whatever reason, right? Well, they wanted to stop their child from having nightmares, or they wanted to stop dreaming themselves. So it, maybe it worked for them. I can't imagine it did. But if they if they say it did, maybe it did. I can't figure out maybe why just cutting your hair would would teach you not to dream. I yeah. don't know. It, yeah, it could, it, I don't get it either. No, it makes no sense to me. I've never heard that no. anywhere in all the. And I've read literally at least a thousand books on dreams. Wow. Okay. So that yeah, that was all. That's all crappy stuff. So, uh, what if you could give uh, our listeners uh, advice is a bad word, but if you could give them one piece of knowledge that you would want all of us to know about our dreams, what would that be? Just one piece. Every dream comes to you with a message. And it comes to tell you things you do not know. Please remember that. It comes to tell you things you do not know. Sometimes it will make you pretty mad because you you just don't know what it's trying to tell you. Eventually you will figure it out if you work with that dream and you draw the dream and you write the dream. And if you try to write a story about the dream, it will help you to understand the dream. But remember, every dream comes to give you a little look inside your psyche. And that's where most of us, uh, we hide ourselves. We only know 95% of who we really are. Or no, we only know 5% of who we really are. About 95%, we haven't got a clue. That's how much we have in our psyche. There's lots of room to dream. Yes, that is so true. Thank you so much for joining me today, Pearl. I feel like we could, I could ask you a million questions because, I mean, every, there's so many dreams that we I've had in my past, uh, but we don't have enough time for all that. We'll have to have another conversation here on Confidence in Bloom. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for asking me, Tina. I love to share this story. Yeah, it was great to hear. It was really great to hear. Thank you so much. Okay, Confidence we'll talk to you soon. Celebration. Yes, thank you. Confidence in Bloom is a celebration of self-love, a confirmation that you're an amazing, desirable, brilliant, gorgeous, talented woman, even though you may not look like a screen star or a supermodel. The truth is they don't even look like that. We offer unconditional love to our partners, our children, our extended family, even our pets. It's high time we got out of our own way and learned to unconditionally love ourselves. Chic definitely does come in every shape, so if you want something to believe, start with yourself. If you'd like to be a guest here on Confidence in Bloom and chat with me, contact me through Instagram at infobloomstyling or by email at tina at infobloomstyling.com or through the Divas That Care website. Thanks for listening. This show was brought to you by Divas That Care. Connect with us on Facebook, on Instagram, and of course on divasthatcare.com where you can subscribe to our newsletter so you don't miss a thing.